Welcome to Renewal, the podcast, season two. We are looking at charismatic renewal, and I am here today with Jake Swaddling from Anchor Church, Port Adelaide, to talk about charismatic renewal, his experience of it, and maybe some reflections that he's had over his life and also in church practice. So welcome, Jake. Thank you very much, Lawson. It's great to uh, have you with us. Um, obviously, season one, uh, you know a little bit about the podcast, Jake. I was talking about it before, but we looked at renewal general. Uh, across uh, many parts in the world over church history, what it looks like in the Bible and also what it looks like in practice. But this season, we're wanting to zoom in on uh, a particular aspect of renewal, being charismatic renewal. And Jake, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about this in particular is um, I know you call yourself a charismatic reformed person and church. That's a very interesting term. (laughs) Uh, So I'd love to unpack what that means. Um, But also, I want to know... Um, a bit more about you. So can you take us through your personal experience, like coming to faith, uh, and then we'll sort of unpack what you're doing now and maybe your experience of charismatic stuff. Yeah, sure. Look, um, I wasn't raised in a Christian family. Uh, Quite the opposite, actually. I think the Trinity uh, for my family was alcohol, sports, and the trade union movement. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I love it. Where did you grow up? Uh, well, uh, my early years, at the age of three, we moved down to different parts of Victoria. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. so... Uh, do you consider yourself a Victorian? No, I do not. Okay. No, New South Welshman. Ah, all right. Okay. Yeah. Rug- rugby, not AFL. All the way with rugby, yes. yes. okay. That's the defining point, usually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's a, it's a generally in or out situation there. Yep. Uh, yeah, so grew up... I mean, that my family had been uh, back generations, um, pivotal in the foundation of the... Communist Party of Australia. Right. So that was very central to how I was raised, yep. That, yep. that kind of way of thinking. And uh, But in about 1980, so I was five, uh, we watched an Easter special and uh, all I can say is, uh, and my dad, while ridiculing the concept of the gospel, gave a fair presentation of it to me. Wow. And I believed it. Uh, and I, wow. could, I could not believe that publicly in my family but I certainly um, kept it to myself I went this is the most incredible thing I've ever heard yeah, I, I can tell you I just rem- in country Victoria I, I at five believed the gospel uh, and then I kept that to myself and uh, along the way had different uh, like longed to go to church but had never been to church yeah uh, got to high school had been quite you know successful at playing rugby league etc and was drinking and and, and once, well, very drunk, I went to a walked past a church and sat up the back as they were ordaining Catholic priests. I didn't even know what the difference was. So this was would have been like a Sunday morning. You've been out all night. No, so it was like a Friday night. Uh, oh right, yeah, I, don't, I don't know why Catholics have church at all different times. They don't they? they most certainly do. Maybe I that's think. the thing we could learn is to have church at more times <laughs> so people can yeah. just walk in off the street. Maybe. We've actually thought about holding, having a Tuesday night gathering. Yeah, um, just on. for for that, and even calling it by a different name as a church. Uh, yeah, and. Um, but a friend of mine came to faith that I was sharing a house with and right. uh, one day he kind of, he said, well, would you come for a drive to the shops? And we drove from Brisbane to Bundaberg, which is about five hours yes. uh, for the weekend. And uh, I remember being convicted again that God was real, wow. sitting up the back and they were closing the, the gathering and the um, pastor was saying, look, uh, please stay for a cup of coffee if you like. And I felt I was very safe up the back and I prayed, Lord, if you're real, this whole church will sing Shout to the Lord. And uh, it's the only Christian song I knew. It's a great song though. Yeah, yeah. And anyway, uh, lo and behold, it's a church of about 400 people. Wow. Uh, a farmer stood up at the other end of the building and yelled out, ah, ah, stop, 
we all need to stand up and sing shout to the Lord. And so the musicians like we've packed up and he's like, I'm telling you we need to do this. And so they unpacked and we all stood up and sung shout to the Lord. And I was absolutely terrified and did not come to faith. Wow. <laughs> I kept it made me run harder, if anything. Yeah. Um, uh, so you were not were you in high school at this point? No, by that stage I'm about twenty five. Okay. What were you no. doing with your life at that point? Uh, I would have been a wharfie working on the waterfront in okay. Brisbane. Okay. Um, from that point, uh, to long story short, I wound up working in the federal police oh. uh, uh, in Central Australia. Was was working as a wharfie kind of in, with your um, upbringing, trade union movement, that kind of thing? Did that did that make sense for your family? Oh, absolutely. From your background, that's kind of like what you did. Yeah, it was the pinnacle. You'd kind of arrived by doing that. Right. Um, I'm very interested on how you got working for the Australian Federal Police because that seems to be working for the man. Yeah. And you were kind of, you know, communist, trade union. That yeah. Those two things don't seem to go together. At, at least at, from my perspective, how, how did that happen? Well, I became disill- – and part of my journey into faith was gradually the Lord stripping away things I had believed in. Mm. And, and that became including the, the – kind of salvation through trade unionism and all the rest of it because... Oh, I haven't heard that term before, yeah, no, but I like but that. It, it's people call each other brother and comrade and all oh, those things. Okay. Yep. There's a real identity in yes. that level of it. Yep. And, and w- when you're in, you do feel a sense of uh, salvation of, of some degree. Like you yeah. said, you've arrived, you've yeah. made it. Yeah, and you, you're in a good income, it's respected in the blue-collar world. Yep. and But... You quickly learn to see those waving the flags on, on the May Day March are also supplying minutes of the meetings to the bosses get their friend in a promotion or you just see even... So the corruption. The corruption. Right through. And so I left over it because I was kind of idealistic about it. Ah, so, so you were like a purist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, I was raised to think this was ah. like one of the best things you could be a part of and then to step into it and to see really it's not... Um, it's as corrupt as anything else. Mm. Uh, then I was like, well, this isn't for me. Okay. And then uh, I wound up through different friends. I was working on doors, nightclubs, bouncing. Yeah. Uh, and one of the, and then I had a job offer to go to Canada. I, I went to save some money, ran into an old friend who was now in the federal police and said in the aftermath of 9-11, uh, we're yeah. hiring, you yeah. should really consider. Yeah. So I'm about late 20s now and I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just chucked in an application and and within 12 months I was on station, I was working. Now, th- um, now this feels to me at opposite ends of the spectrum. You've yeah. gone like communist, trade union, movement, warfy yeah. to and, – and becoming disillusioned to us, you've gone to the other end. Yeah. Yeah, in, in many ways because protest groups would have – no idea how infiltrated they are <laughs> by, <laughs> by policing movements, and uh, so we're getting reports from these groups, and yeah. um, so very and being getting the hate, and I've worked in like crowd control situations, and yes. on the other side now. Wow! Uh, and again, I thought, yeah, I had arrived at a different end, mm. and realised, no, I have not. It's exactly the same. It's exactly the same. Wow! Uh, the human condition does not change, whatever industry or movement you're a part of. Yeah, because I think a lot of people are, I mean, everyone's looking for something, aren't they? Was yeah. it Augustine, the, the God shaped hole in the heart? Yeah. Always trying to fill it with something, but it's always a square peg in a round hole. Yeah, so that was very much, uh, it brought me to the place of going, I've lost everything I believe in. Like, there right. is no, and this whole time, the you sense were, of. You were deconstructing. 
or deconstructing my faith in different things. Yes, yeah, so that's a good term for the process for me. Uh, but uh, and but the one thing the whole time I was running into these things, I was also simultaneously running from God. Right. It wasn't that I just running aimlessly I was running away from something into things mm. uh, and then one day I just my my last thoughts as a non-Christian was um, if this is my life with me in charge of it uh, why wouldn't I be handing it to Christ so mm. my last thought was I need to hand my life over to Christ and that was my last thought as a non-Christian okay so so um, what was the lead up to that particular moment for you because you've You've, you've had a really clear sign from God. You sort of had a, a moment when you were five years old where you heard the gospel and you believed it. You've sort of had a, I guess, a, a nominal, perhaps not saving faith at that point, mm. depending on your soteriology. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and um, and you are uh, you're in the federal police, but then how did you get to the point where you're like, you know, like I am a terrible lord of my life. I need Christ. What happened? It's what you kind of pointed out earlier, Lawson, that I'd gone from one thing to the opposite thing. Yeah. And in doing so, betrayed a lot of what I had yeah. believed in previously. Yeah. And recognising in myself that I did not uphold or have the capacity to live out my convictions. Yeah, but were you, were you just like sitting alone in, in, in your like unit or something, thinking these things or thinking about work or did it... To sort of hit you on the head like a hammer when you were doing, like when you went to a church or, or what was the what was the moment? Uh, the moment was having a shower. Uh, oh, right. And I was literally in the shower and I had had a refused over to work overtime because I didn't want to be there. I'd had a fight with my fiance. Right. That nothing was working yep. and I really understood it deeply that the very things that I was trying to build my life upon were actually bringing me down. Like. I was falling into those things. I right. was falling apart. Yeah. Um, no one would have seen that from the outside. Looked quite happy and successful. Yeah. Where were you living at that point? Alice Springs. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. So. So you sort of Brisbane to Alice. Yeah. Did, did you did your training for the AFP and then went to to a station in Alice Springs? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. So really, I came to the end of myself, and and a lot of what I think of what the Holy Spirit. I almost had an experience where having had that thought, like a hot thing hit me. Uh, it was and, – and, and then I was saved. I can't explain it. And I had this incredible joy and peace, like instantaneously something. Get changed, walk into – Had you the, read the Bible? Uh, not much, no. no. So you, you knew the work about Jesus. You yeah. knew that – I guess – Acknowledge that God was real. Yeah. And it was just a very simple surrender. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was a surrender. The whole time I'd been fighting it, I'd known mm. for a long time. Mm. And then in that surrender, I walk into the living room and my fiance, now my wife, is sitting there, looks at me, stands up, walks to the opposite side of the room and says, What's happened to you? <laughs> <laughs> and that look in your eye. Yeah, I just something. Um, right. I wouldn't have known it to just have walked in. Yeah. And I was like, really? And I just said, I've become a Christian. <laughs> what, what did she think? Shocked. <laughs> um, and then said, I always thought this moment would happen. Uh, oh, was she a Christian? No. But she thought it would happen to you? Yeah. She just saw the signs in me and really? that I was wrestling with these things. I was, uh, And now, obviously, my wife has made her way back into yeah. faith. We had to work through that, yeah. I imagine. Okay, so you came to faith... Um, 
I guess you got married at some point after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And did you stay in the AFP? Not for long. Okay. Uh, I recognised I wanted to get out, that yep. it wasn't a healthy environment. Yeah. That's like, and so I worked and went and worked basically on a furniture truck yeah. for a year. Uh, out of Alice? Yeah. Okay. And uh, I, I guess, you know, if you're going to move away from Alice, it's a long way, so. Yeah, I just wanted to gather our thoughts, my thoughts. And yeah. uh, what a, one of the reasons I had run from the Lord was that with his call, I ought to salvation to the throne of Christ was the call to be a pastor. Oh, and right. my only concept of that, what that looked like, was Ned Flanders on The Simpsons. Mm. And so I'm like, I don't want to be that guy. No. And so, <laughs> or Reverend Lovejoy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so I'm in rejecting all of it, was at, a big part of it was I didn't want to be a pastor. And uh, that's what I felt called to. Right. Even so, uh, so we took a year, I worked on the furniture truck, and the people are like, you've just quit from the federal police to work on a furniture truck. That makes no sense. Yeah, but you, you went from the wharf to the AFP, so yeah. that's kind of, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. That's your thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, and then we worked, I worked for a year there, then I worked for a year in on a, in a, like a mining site company thing in New South Wales yep. running a store. Did uh, you and Cathy get married? In, oh, yeah, we've been married. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yep. So yep. maybe it was two years around that time and yep. then New South Wales. Yeah. Uh, and then... I uh, went to Bible college in Sydney for oh. two years. Right, so you've been convert. You've been a converted person for two years. Probably three, three yeah. years, and then off to Bible. So you re- yeah. you really felt like God is calling you to serve. In yeah, vocational yeah. ministry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the the journey into Sydney was quite interesting because when I was in the federal police and first came to faith, straight away I'm thinking Bible college. Like I've, having surrendered this, I'm answering all the call. Yeah, and I was driving and. One of the few times I've had like an audible experience from God said, you will go to Bible college in Adelaide. And had I, you ever been to Adelaide before? Uh, once passing through. Uh, I, my brother, who's a Christian, had studied a, a unit at BCSA. And my one time to Adelaide, I stayed at BCSA as a non-Christian. How did your brother get converted then? Because like this is the... This is the um what was the what was the trinity in your family? Yeah, uh, alcohol, train unionism, and sport. Yeah, there you go. Uh, well, my brother had really embraced the alcohol side of it. Oh, uh, and he kind of OD'd on drugs in wow. his late teens wow. and was very like in a bad way. Yeah. And in the midst of that, called out to the Lord and stood up and walked away from it. Like, wow, got up like a, like a radical kind yeah, of deliverance. Like, yeah, stood up and was healed. Like he was like wrestling for his life. Did he come to faith before you did? Yes, years before. Okay, so th- so your brother's conversion must have had some impact on you. Yeah, but he'd actually at one point given up on sharing the gospel with me, didn't give up on praying for me. Yeah. But it was like, oh, Jake, but had no idea that I was actually wrestling with it. So yeah. the prayer was working. Prayer was but at on work. the inside. Yes, yes. That's a good lesson, isn't it? Just because a, a lot of us feel that burden for family like your brother would have for you. Yeah. And we get to that point of giving up, but actually God is often, he's got to deconstruct whatever comes before it. Well, I, I, this is one of these God moments where yeah. he's very gracious. I'll just detour into a story here. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, we allow, we gave someone some space in our church building uh, for free to do a parachurch ministry. Yeah. And he said, oh, my boss would like to come out and meet you to say thank you for allowing this and being generous. And I'm like, yeah, sure, bring him on out. And he came in and he said, oh, hi. And I said, oh, yeah, my name's Jake. And we're talking away. And I said something about Alice Springs. And he said, oh, you don't have a brother Sam, do you? Uh-huh. And I went, uh, yeah. And he, went, and he choked up and he walked out. 
And he oh. came back in and he said, you don't know this, but I used to meet weekly with your brother to pray for you. Wow. And I've kept doing it. I didn't even know you were a Christian. <laughs> and really? So, yeah, so he's come in to meet this guy he prays for and has done faithfully for a long time and it's the guy. <laughs> and so how funny Man, is that? Man, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. 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 Wow. Very gracious from God to, yeah. I think, just to show that guy the fruit of his prayer life. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So you came, you've come to faith, you're at Bible college, somehow uh, God speaks to you, this idea, like, come to Adelaide. Mm. Uh, have you got kids at this point? Uh, at that point we had three. Uh, okay. We started Bible college with three under two. There's twins. As you do. Yeah, that was... Uh, and then and then move states is the next thing. Yeah, so we visited and we I was taking my wife out uh, for our anniversary and got lost because I didn't know Adelaide very well. <laughs> Wound up in Port Adelaide and I went that whole trade union, yeah. alcohol and sport. Walked around the port, went, I think this is my people. Yeah, and right. I said to my wife, if we ever lived in Adelaide, this is where I'd want to do ministry. Yeah. Uh, and then within 12 months we were back. It just There was no point when I said that, no plan upon saying that, that that was going to happen. Mm. Uh, but then 12 months later there we were mm. um, enrolling at BCSA, as the Lord had said, yeah. uh, and about to plant a church. Right. And that's, of course, where we, we met, Bible mm. College South Australia. Yeah. Um, yeah. Amazing. Amazing story. So um, obviously you finished Bible College uh, and then what was next? Well, before we finished Bible College, we planted Anchor Church Port Adelaide. Right, okay. Not what I would recommend for anybody else. We were talking about that earlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our journeys may not be what we recommend to other people. But God, um, God uses it, though. God uses it, yeah. yeah. So planted a church without an idea of what we were doing. I planted before Bible College. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily recommend that either. I tell people we got two things right at Anchor. We got the gospel right and perseverance. <laughs> and that was Amen. everything else. Amen. But that's what it's about, isn't it? Yeah. Like at some level, church planting is fairly simple. Yeah. You know, get those two things right. Yeah, that's well. And I th- Jesus will build the church. I think God, I encourage people, God will always give you opportunity to persevere. It's how he builds character. Yeah. Amen. And I think that applies to individuals, but implies to congregations. If your church hasn't persevered and suffered, mm. how does it know? That's how we know the Holy Spirit's at work in our midst yeah. is that we don't quit. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's an it's an important work of the spirit is our perseverance. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Uh, and so, what's um, what's life uh, for you guys right now uh, look like? Uh, four daughters, uh, so pretty busy. Yeah, uh, under yeah. ten and under. Yeah, uh, but then uh, uh, the ministry of the church is pretty. So you're busy. like lead pastor. Yeah, anchor church Le- Port Adelaide. Lead yep. pastor anchor how, church Port and Adelaide. How many years in? Coming up to five. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. we're just a bit older than you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So you would have planted 2017? Yeah. The end of 2017. Oh, okay. You were early 2018 at City Ridge Marion. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So thank you. That's sort of highlight reel of um, mm-hmm. a bit of your conversion story um, and I guess what's happened since. It's been a real whirlwind for you since coming to faith, hasn't it? Yeah. It's only even recently I've taken a breath, I think. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, we, we, we jumped in. It's kind of an extremely long story and, a, and simultaneously an extremely short story. Yeah. It does happen though because I mean, no time is wasted with God. No. And, and obviously for you, like even yeah. that, like your upbringing, the whole like being a war for yourself and now mm-hmm. you're an anchor church. Like, 
Yeah. That's a that's a that's how God works all things together for good. Yeah, he does. But he does it in interesting ways. I think mm. like um, the apostle Peter, the Galilean fisherman, uh, and then you've got the apostle Paul, the Hebrew of Hebrews. Well, who does God send to the Hebrews and who does he send yeah. to the Gentiles, right? Yeah. It's not necessarily what we might expect. Yes. And that's good because God is God. Yeah. And so you can't give him a blueprint and say, do this for me. You know, like yeah. you get in on his plan. So with my brother's background in yep. ministry, like his ministry has been nearly entirely to raise Christians. Everyone's like at Bible college, you're going to have a great ministry to uh, drugos and, dr- and alcohol. He's never done that in his life. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's had this very great ministry uh, to raise Christians. And so mm. I think if he's kind of the Peter going to the, the Hebrews. Yeah, 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 amen. All right, let's, let's zoom in uh, now because um, I guess you know, knowing you a little bit, Mm. Uh, we often talk about the um, overflow between charismatic and, and reformed theology and how those two things can intersect. But I'd love to know from your own personal story, mm. um, when did you first uh, get an idea of, okay, like how does um, uh, the active work of God now mm. come to bear on your life and how have you experienced that? Yeah, the active work of God, how it has come to bear. Look, um, for me, it first expressed itself in the fact that I couldn't rest. Um, It all came down because it was relying on my own work. Mm. Uh, And and a a friend who's a pastor in Brisbane, he was like, Jake, if you don't learn to say um, no to doing good things, you'll never never run out of good things to do. And you'll never rest. And yep. yet I think part of that Sabbath rest is that God is always at work. Yep. And so it started me down the road. Well, what does that look like in ministry? To be able to rest um, was impossible for me to be able to rest. And so the more I let things go, the more I started saying, well, Lord, you've got it. The more I took it, in, not just took it to prayer, but then left it in prayer, not not stressed about stress trying to resolve things. Yeah, that's right. Not saying, well, now you, I've prayed about it, but now I'm going to fix it. Mm. Um, but saying, no, there are some things I have to leave to. Most things I have to leave to the Lord and be open to. Hit, hit, the answer to prayer might be now, Jake. You go do that, but often it's not. Uh, and so it began in a variety of ways. Um, we needed to move from our building uh, when we planted and we started in the. In a, a small bar, uh, anchor church. Yeah, anchor church started in a small bar, uh, and uh, for five weeks there was a practicing wicker working there. And for five weeks in a row, on a Friday night, like ten o'clock, I'd get an email: "We're cancelling your use of the, this on Sunday." So we met in an alleyway, we met on beach, we met in another pub, we met in someone's backyard. Did um, you ever meet on a boat? No. Oh no. man. <laughs> I was going to say, that could have been Anchor Church. Like. That might have been perfect, <laughs> that's right. Uh, but we did meet on a beach under the jetty at Semaphore. Oh, that's so, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then uh, a friend rang and he's like, there's this building, you should uh, look. we should look into that. Mm. Um, and I went, well, it's way too much. And and so we met and, and some other people came in and we spoke to them and uh, he's, we announced it to the church, we agreed to terms and then he rang me. And he's like, the owner of that building, look, uh, I'm not going to rent it to you now. I know we had a handshake, but a medical centre wants to buy it uh, and he wants to – and it's such a huge offer. 
I just have to accept it. I said, well, no hard feelings. And we took it to the Lord in prayer. We said, Father, we don't know what to do. Like, we, we've, we've finished up. Where we've told where we are. We're going. And now our destination's not there. Um, and I could have stressed about it, but we left it with the Lord. And then, like, three days later, that guy rings me back. And he said, look, I have not been able to sleep since that phone call. I've not slept. He's not a Christian. I've not slept for a minute, actually. So with your permission, Jake, can I ring the normal medical, this medical crew, tell them the deal's off, mm-hmm. and I will honour you for the original deal, but cheaper. So <laughs> we went in there. Cheaper. Well, we actually got the whole building now, not the section of it for, like, the same oh. thing. So we went in there, and I'm just like, this is astonishing. Mm-hmm. And, again, um, it's ministering or resting in the provision of God and the Holy Spirit. There's nothing I could have done to resolve that situation. And what a remarkable way for it to be resolved. Yeah. 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 So we, we've used the term charismatic reformed a few times. Yeah. Um, uh, we can dig into the reformed part um, another time, but I'd, yeah. I'd love to know what does it mean to you to be charismatic in, in theology and belief? Yep. Well, obviously, one, uh, to rely on the Holy Spirit. I think you have to start there. And I don't think anybody on any end of the spectrum would disagree with that. Uh, I don't think anybody would disagree on the necessity of the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but I am also bap- quite Baptistic by nature, which means I have a high uh, opinion of each individual's conscience and each individual's gifting within the body. Yep. I have a real stress... Priesthood of all believers. Priesthood of all believers. Yep. And, um, and so we very much seek out and try to encourage... It's rather than me standing in front, well, here's a ministry position I need filled. It's like, hey, there's this person, they have their spiritual gifts, let's create a ministry position against that rather than trying to mould people into um, a job description that I already have. Uh, And so therefore that looks like identifying how God has already given gifted people to his churches and responding to the gifted people he's giving us rather than trying to create a type of person to do ministry in our church. Mm. Uh, and so it can, when people say, I want to do street evangelism, like I'm like, let's do that. Mm. Uh, I want to be praying for sick people. I want to have a ministry where I'm praying for people after the gathering on Sunday if they're ill. If you want to do that, do that. Um, it, it, it's recognising and valuing each person's spiritual gifts. It's valuing the role of prayer in ministry. Uh, it is so central to what we do. I guess when we tend to think about charismatic, though, we tend to think of what, what um, they were called the signed gifts. Yeah. So we think of like speaking in tongues, yeah. prophecy, signs and wonders, yeah. uh, words of knowledge, um, whatever, healing. Yeah. Well, I've received a healing in my life uh, at Bible college and on football injury. Uh, I was practically bedridden and to the point where I probably couldn't have continued in college and some people came and prayed and I got out of the bed the next day and it's been fine ever since. Um, so God. That's great. Yeah. So we have people who are praying for healing. So, so you experienced these I, things personally? Yeah, I have. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I know uh, other people in our eldership have personally experienced these things. We have people in our eldership who speak in tongues uh, and we have those who don't. I've prayed for the gift. I haven't received it. Um, but we don't ever discourage gifts in, a, in accordance to the work of the 
the biblical witness of what is the work of the Holy Spirit. Okay. So we do pray, and I have prayed, and people have called for the elders to come and pray for healings. We've seen some. We've seen places where it hasn't happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in our Sunday gathering, uh, you would not particularly see, maybe in the prayer meetings beforehand uh, and places like that, but in the kind of corporate gathering, you wouldn't see a lot of what, say, Pentecostal churches would say were charismatic work. So, I mean, what I'm hearing from you is that in your desire to be um, biblical, mm. you um, have a charismatic or a, what, what's called a continuationist view of charismatic gifts. Yes. Or the signed gifts. Yeah. Because you're seeking to be biblical. Yeah. And so you're actually not wanting to grieve the Holy Spirit by no. saying this can't happen, that can't happen. Yeah. I mean, you look at... Um, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, you, you don't see Paul saying, uh, you know, don't have this gift, don't have yeah. that gift. He says, use it rightly. Yeah. It, and, and order church rightly, particularly yeah. when you're gathering around non-Christians, Yeah, which there's an assumption that in the corporate gathering there will mm. be non-Christians among you. And if everyone's carrying on in tongues, then they'll think you're nuts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it yeah. will actually be to their condemnation because they don't understand what's going on. Yeah. So Paul says, hey, better to speak in prophecy, a word they understand, therefore they will, you know, if God speaks to them, yeah, uh, they'll fall down on their knees and say, God is truly among you. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Look, I think the great... So recently we celebrated uh, Ascension Day, um, Christ rising and sit, sitting on his throne. And, and as a consequence, we see Pentecost... And that we see that through, it's a direct consequence of Christ on his throne that the Holy Spirit is poured out. And so the work of the Holy Spirit through all of these things, the test of what is authentic spiritual work is that it points to Christ on his throne. Amen. And so that's the one test I apply. Um, and the one thing we encourage. Well, that's the test in 1 John, isn't it? That's the test in 1 John 4. <laughs> like how you discern the spirits. But even if you go like the, the passage of one in 1 Corinthians 12, where he starts talking about spiritual gifts, at the end of it he's like, um, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Yes, so it's the same, it's the same idea. Is it yeah. proclaiming Jesus as Lord? That's it. And so when a healing is graciously given, uh, it is to point to the healing ministry of Jesus Christ and yeah. to reveal that this is who he is as king. Yeah. Uh, and so that is what makes it an important part of the life of the church, yeah. that we do... The proclamation between how we live and what we do is in keeping with what we say. Yep. And I think that is the central work of the Holy Spirit in the gifts is to bring us into alignment with what we say, what we do and what is occurring mm. in the life of the mm. church. Not just this is what we say and then we go back to our work on Monday. Yep. Um, now this, this sounds to me... Not like we're just looking at having a balanced view, like a yeah. little bit of charismatic yeah. and a little bit of sort of good good doctrine. But we're actually saying it's a both-and situation. Yes. I think that's important. There's been a bit of fascination, which has probably been picked up through like Tim Keller ministry, um, having like being in a centre position. Now, I don't mm. think Keller would say this, but I think mm. a lot of people think they talk about the word balance. I'm actually moving away from that now. Um one of the things that has influenced me, we talked about this mm. before, Charles Simeon talks mm. about um, the Bible doesn't present a, a balanced view. It presents a both and when it comes to these kinds of things. Yeah. You're not a, a words church or a spirit church. You're both and you yeah. ought to be both and full of both. 
one of the words that I learnt when I was at um, Bible college uh, was a oh now I can't even think of it as a complicated word yeah. um, a false dichotomy yes a false dichotomy what that means is you're trying to separate two things as in create a dichotomy separate mm. two things which which are not separatable no, yeah. you, you can't separate them and I think that is when it comes to word and spirit and that is when it comes which really means like good doctrine and, and sort of active work of the Holy Spirit in people's lives today, you shouldn't separate the two. No. I Look, and because they both are ultimately serving the same function and that is to bring clarity to the gospel. Amen. And that is the preaching of Peter and at And worship to Christ. Yeah. Bringing, him to the throne, bringing us to the throne of Christ through the cross of Christ Amen. by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes. And so what we see... Peter doing full of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2 at the first Pentecost that we, of the church that he is bringing clarity to confusion because people are standing around sneering, they're drunk, they don't know what's going on and Peter is speaking out of the Bible and saying this is he's bringing clarity to who is Jesus Christ, what is happening in Jesus Christ's people yeah. and so what, so for example you and I might disagree because I don't see how if people are kind of roaring like lions uh, Etc. I don't know where you sit on that, um, <laughs> but 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 the point being, I don't see how that brings clarity to image bearers of God. Um, <laughs> yes. Image bearers of God, clarifying what it means to be transformed from one degree of glory to the next to be more like Christ. Look, I'm, so. I'm, I'm not much of a lion roaring guy. Yeah, yeah. We don't have lion roaring meetings, but yeah, I, I, I get your point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, and and actually, yeah, we are on the same same page on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've yet to see one of those types of meetings. I'm sure they're out there. Yeah, yeah. Jake, just just a few, I guess I want to have a bit of a rapid fire, a couple of questions Shoot. for you. Um, okay, so speak in tongues personally. Uh, I've prayed for it. I haven't re- I haven't received it. I believe it's a gift, probably. Okay. Uh, what like speaking tongues? What kind of speaking tongues are we talking about? Like an unknown language? Uh, I think in Acts, unknown language in. In Corinthians, probably what we see more, what people describe as tongues today. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, sorry, known languages and acts. Like yeah. Like foreign languages. Yeah, foreign languages. Yeah. But unknown languages is what they're talking about. In, in Corinthians. In Corinthians, yeah. Mm. Prophecy? Prophecy for me now with the closing of the canon is to speak. A prophet must be able to say, thus says the Lord. Yeah. Uh, and I think we can only do that now authoritatively from scripture yeah. so prophecy is that but then we have words of knowledge in corinthians uh and i think things like the lord telling me uh, you will go to bible college south australia or i had a friend who had a ministry position in another church and i had praying i just had a word i rang him and i said look your obvious gifting is not your main gifting like what everyone thinks you're going to use to serve the lord isn't what it is yeah and he'd just been stood down from his position, which I didn't know. Mm. <laughs> and so wow. I, those things occur. And I think, I mean, I can take debate on these, but for me, I go to be able to say this is what the Lord says uh, is, and that is prophetic and has to be out of the Bible now, whereas a word of knowledge is something else to that. What about where it talks about um, words of prophecy being discerned by the elders? Yeah. So... You would, would you call that a word of knowledge? Uh, no, prophecy there being discerned by the elders, and I think that is what we see in 1 Timothy 2 happening. Right. Uh, is this actually in keeping with biblical truth? Is this right. 
actually prophetic. In keeping with, but, but it's not adding to the canon. That's it. That's okay, it. Yeah. So, so there's levels of authority. We're talking, uh, you know, God's authority through the scriptures uh, is ultimate yep. in terms of authority. And then you, know, you might feel an impression or a sense that God has something to say. But, yep. if, but if it doesn't agree with scripture, God's not saying it. Yep. And moreover, you might just get it wrong. That's right. And you so might have had a bad curry. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but, I mean, prophecy is God putting his words in your mouth, right? We don't want to be putting our words in God's mouth. Amen. That's a good, yeah, I like right. that. And so yep. when I rang my friend and said, your main gifting, I don't get to say, um, therefore you are now accountable to that the way you are accountable to yes. Scripture. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, what about um, healings? You've spoken briefly on that. Yeah. Um, Gift of healing. Uh, the gift of healing, I think it's the gift of healings uh, that we see in Scripture. So I'm yet to encounter anybody who I have seen consistently able to heal okay. uh, through prayer. Yep. Uh, but I believe people are healed all the time yep. through prayer. Interpretation of tongues? Uh, what Meaning? So like unknown tongue languages, someone speaks in it and then another person interprets that into an intelligent... Like, it, should so hap- it should happen, yes. Yep. So let's say someone gets up. In a, in a non like ordinary church meeting, so a prayer yeah. meeting, yeah. speaks in tongues. The person next to them goes, "Oh, I know what that means," and they share it in, let's say, English. Yeah, thus becomes prophecy. I think that's kind of the that's what you see in the New Testament. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, words of knowledge you've kind of you've kind of touched on discernment, uh, Just discerning the spirits. Uh, I think yeah, hundred percent is okay. the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, because nobody can say. Like what is the work of other spirits, right? It, it is not to declare that Christ is king. Yes. So, and we get that obviously from uh, what we one John and yeah, and nobody can say Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, it is a gift. We any discernment is a gift of the Holy Spirit, but that is by degree as well. Yeah. Um. So there are those who are more discerning. Yeah. Signs and wonders. Uh. Well, look, I believe in the. Primarily, it is a the signs and wonders are there to authenticate the message and the messenger. Yeah, uh, and so if they're not pointing to Jesus. If they're not pointing to Jesus, it won't happen. Uh, and does the message need authenticating? Uh, yeah, it does um, through the power of the Holy Spirit. But often, I think what is lacking and why we don't see them is because people aren't deli- aren't delivering the message. Mm. There is an absence of, I think, these things when there is an absence of the message to be authenticated. Yeah. Uh, and so a church that is less on the front foot with the gospel should is probably going to be seeing a lot less of the Holy Spirit at work in these matters. You talk to any missionary yeah. overseas working in new fields, it's almost you're going to see these Part things. Yeah. Uh, casting out demons? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, I don't know. I, there was at the Bible college I was at, no names, there was an exorcism. There was a possession. Mm. Um, Man, so, I've, I've seen some weird stuff. We'll, we'll yeah. save that for another. Yeah, and again, uh, and again, I've, I've. I, I think mean, demons hide in plain sight in the West, though. I've got to say. Well, I, I'm pretty convinced somebody who walked into the very early days of Anchor was um, the things they were saying, mm. that, and just the sense you got from them was pretty awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I guess the thing about. Um, We've sort of touched on, I guess, some aspects of charismatic renewal. Uh, we've touched on and a desire to be biblical, therefore, yeah. leads to a desire to be continuationist 
I think that's quite defensible mm. um, from the point of view of the scriptures. What would your advice be to someone who is uh, not charismatic mm. in their understanding? Oh, they just you know they've just never been a part of a church or an expression mm. where you know they've spoken in tongues or they've been around people like that. What would you be advice for someone in that? Situation, but they're interested in these things. Where mm. do you start? I think we start with what we where we see Pentecost start, and that's with courage. Um, right. So, <coughs> um, if you start to do things boldly, right, you will find yourself in a position where you are calling upon the Holy Spirit, and you will see things God honouring and working through the courageous and bold steps you're taking. If you stay in a comfortable place as a person or as a church that doesn't take risks, that uh, kind of always presents a small target gospel, uh, that lives a small target life, um, I don't see that you will ever seek or yearn or call upon the Lord to be with you in these things. If you're trying to manage risk and if you're trying to manage outcomes rather than being faithful, well, you actually don't need that. Like, you can do that with some kind of accountant's book or something, right? You're not, you're not, you're not seeking the work of the Holy Spirit in your life yes. if you're living for comfort yeah. and if you're living for those things, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm just uh, looking at 1 Corinthians 12, 31. It says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. Yeah. I think as well, the exhortation to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Part of being a Christian is to go... And and if I'm defining um, their openness to the gifts of the Spirit, really, in a way, saying, well, we we can't close that door biblically, but what we want above that is for God to be working through our lives and for us, as you say, to be obedient and surrendered to Jesus and saying... Lord, here I am, you know, send me like Isaiah and I'll do whatever you want and, and if there's gifts that you want me to have, which it says earnestly desire the higher gifts, so, you know, the most effective things, equip me with them that I might serve you. Um, probably some other things to add. Um, depending on your context, like ch- chat to a mature Christian about these things. Open your Bible and, and, and read the texts about these things. Um, pray. Ask God. And that's what earnestly desire the higher gifts. Who do you desire them to? Jesus <laughs> and the Holy Spirit. He gives them, therefore you ask of him. Uh, and, and then I think, Jake, you've made a great point, stepping out in faith and, and actually seeking that God would work boldly through your life. Yeah, I think the way to quench the Spirit is to live a passive life. Mm. Um, and that if you look at the context of Paul in 1 Thessalonians at the end when he's talking about that, it's like stop doing things, start doing things. Yes. You think of Ephesians, uh, fill yourself with the spirit, not with alcohol. Yes, yes. It, it stop, it's, it's pretty a, simple. Yeah, it's a stopping of the pursuit of worldly comforts yep. and, a, and a pursuit of the kingdom. Yep. And that by its very nature will take you into places where you need God to show up. Yep. The history uh, we've talked before. The history of the God's church is we pick fights we can't win, mm. and then the Holy Spirit turns up. Amen. And so, if you're not picking fights, or if you're only picking fights you can win in your own strength, you're not earnestly desiring anything. Yeah, you've got this. Yeah. Um, but no, you don't. <laughs> yeah, God, just, yeah. God's yeah. got this. Yeah. But if you start stepping out and picking fights, you can't win graciously, and you, we know what I mean by that. Mm. Um, then 
expect the Lord to turn up. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Jake, thank you for being on the podcast today. It's been really good to have you. Thanks for sharing your story and um, a bit of your experience. You're Uh, welcome, man. Yeah, no worries. Uh, Thank you for being part of uh, Renewal the Podcast Season 2, looking at charismatic renewal. If you want to give us any feedback, please do uh, contact uh, us through the usual channels. Uh, Please share uh, with your friends the podcast. And if you'd like to uh, subscribe, uh, we'd love to have uh, those reviews as well that come through the various means that you receive the podcast. And we'll see you next time.